Hello, and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. I have two gentlemen on the podcast today. Guys, would you introduce yourselves? Kevin Kenora, biblical counselor. Joel Bickford, deacon of worship. All right. A little bit different uh, group with me today, and uh, we had a kind of a little bit of a change of plans today, so we're going to go back to our listener questions. And one of our listeners wrote in and asked, well, this is just prepare you. It's a little, in her words, a little morbid question. Um, a new, new mom and a new dad. And as things do, when you have a baby, you start thinking a little more long-term, you, you know, you put some things into perspective. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they've thought, they are both uh, relatively recent converts to the faith and they were not raised in a Christian community and were not raised in church. And so they come, come to faith and get married, have a baby, Things are going swimmingly well, apparently, right? Things are going the normal progression. And now they're starting to think, what would happen Mm. to our child if we were to both pass away? So, you know, some kind of terrible car accident or something like that. Who, what should we do about our, about our child? Because we want, we don't have relatives that, you know, attend church, that are part of a covenant community that would raise our child up in the, in the way of the Lord. And so what should we do? And they specifically asked, like, <laughs> are godparents still a thing? Mm. Right? So we want to attempt that now this is not, this is going to be a, a pretty, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a well-researched, I haven't, we haven't done a lot of research on the history of godparents and, and such like that. It's just going to be, you know, from a, a general Christian point of view and, uh, we're going to give our, our thoughts on that. I don't, I can't off the top of my head come up with any, you know, scriptural yeah. references that would answer this question for us cleanly. So we're just going to lean into our Christian worldview. So I'm going to, as I set the question up here, I'm going to pass, I'm going to give Kevin, our biblical counselor, mm. the first shot at uh, kicking us off here. Yeah. So when I think about Godparents, in general, kind of the the hope, the goal, the the telos behind appointing godparents historically has been to make sure that there's somebody to take care of orphans, right? Um, <clears throat> we've talked before about how Christians have historically built orphanages, right? But kind of as we look at the way the system has shifted over time, we recognize um, in a lot of ways that hasn't gone to good places, right? And so a lot of abuse, a lot of neglect, a lot of just, just chaos as, um, as some of those institutions have slipped from under the authority of the church to under the authority of the state, right? And so the, the goal behind appointing godparents historically has been to have somebody who can step in as, as a guardian to, to kind of take charge of that, right? And so I guess, are we, are we answering the question, are godparents still a thing? We got to answer both questions. Yeah. So first, yes. I don't know that it's quite as as big of a thing as it used to be. I know um, Trevay and I are considered godparents for a family we're close with, and and you know I remember when I was a kid I had godparents. Just kind of that that second wave, like you said, of something tragic happened, somebody to take charge, who would be financially responsible or or I mean capable enough to do that. 
Yeah. Historically, Godparents goes back to something like the second century mm. where Christians who are baptizing their babies would have would assign godparents when mm. those child those children would be baptized. And early on, the role of the godparents was primarily to provide further catechesis oh. to the children. So they were to be sponsors or um, we, we would think of maybe maybe coaches, teachers that could come alongside the parents and help the parents mm. catechize their children. Yeah. Now, obviously, they they tended to be a part of the same church, a part of the same community. And when you're thinking about raising children, you know, God has given parents the responsibility, and yet the Christian community itself is supposed to be providing some support to that. So at Sacred City, when we do infant baptism, we require the congregation mm -hmm. to affirm that they will pray for these children, mm -hmm. they will help the shepherd these children, they will help catechize these children, they'll teach these children. And we want our wider church to take on a responsibility uh, before God for discipling these kids. Right. So when you mm -hmm. send your kid to kids ministry, kids ministry is not a replacement parent time, right? It's not babysitting. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you are empowering those teachers to catechize your children, to teach your children the, the ways of Jesus, right? And that is meant to be a supplement to what you're doing at home. If that's all you're doing, if you're not teaching at home, then it's highly unlikely that your kids are going to grow up and, and follow and, and worship Jesus right. because it's just meant to be supplemental. It's not meant to replace your role as a parent. So early on in the church, and this is still pretty prominent in like Catholic traditions mm -hmm. and, and even some, some reformed traditions to have designated godparents. Now that is in the realm of the church, right? right? There's also legal ramifications, mm -hmm. not if you ask somebody to be a godparent in church, you know, at your kid's baptisms, there's no legal ramifications for that. But if you want there to be, you would take that issue wider. Um, because if you if parents were to die suddenly, then if you didn't have a will, let's say, if you didn't have a will that determined where the child goes, then you are giving that responsibility kind of over to the state. Mm -hmm. And then the state could determine what it sees best. And it would very rarely ever you know, give your children to somebody in your church right. as opposed to your sister, your brother, your parents, some, somebody like that. It, it's going to, they're going to keep it in the family more than likely. And so Christian wisdom would ap apply to this, that we want our children. Now, though, if your parents, they might love the child to death, but we don't want just our children to, to be in a loving home. Yeah. We want them to be in a home that's shaped by the love of Christ. Right. And we want our kids to grow up and, and worship Jesus and follow the same God that we do so that they will meet us one day in heaven, right? And yeah. there'll be a great reunion. And so for a Christian parent, we need to be thinking a little bit wider. Where would I want my children to go? Mm -hmm. And um, And we need to... So if that's... If that's a, a family in your missional community, if that's a family in the church, then you should have that conversation with them mm -hmm. and make sure they're willing and able, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, 
And then you should put that in a, and, and you know, you should contact your attorney and put that in some kind of legal document with, with your will and kind of stipulate that. Now that would also, if you have life insurance, you know, you'd want to make, make sure that your life insurance is, is going mm-hmm. towards the support of your children. Um, and to enable, so it wouldn't be an, hopefully an, an unnecessary burden upon that other family, though yeah. if they, you know, I'm sure they would take it on gladly and, and willingly, but you could provide, you know, whether it's, you know, private school tuition for your kids mm-hmm. or whether it's just, you know, food and clothing or whether it's college education, but you could determine, you know, how, how that support is going to, is going to go to your kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they, they're going to spend it all when they're 16 or something, on a new <laughs> sports car. <laughs> when they get. Yeah. But <clears throat> so it's a, it's a good thing that you're thinking of like that. You know, scripture tells us that a righteous man provides for his children's children. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be thinking long-term and obviously we all want to see our kids grow up and to see our kids follow Jesus and then see our kids have kids. And there is, you know, that is the goal. That is the, you know, we really hope for that to happen. But we also live in a fallen world where we can't control drunk drivers and mm-hmm. cancer and, mm-hmm. you know, who, who knows what's next, right? So I think it's, I think it's biblically wise and biblically, biblically prudent to be thinking through these issues and then coming up with a, um, a strategy. Now, we don't have anything written, you know, at Sacred City, and I can't even remember. We, my, Amanda and I did this. Um, we did this early on because um, two of my brothers live outside of the area and my sister lives here. And, um, but she is not, she has, you know, she has two of her own kids and, um, and we were trying to decide how we were going to, to manage this. And I can't remember, we, we went through the legal processes and, and we put it down on paper and I can't, I honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head right now what we, what we chose to do, Mm. but we have, we've talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about that as you're talking, like, it seems like something that you might need to keep up with. I mean, um, the friends, I know the friends that I would have considered close to me 12 years ago are not the same exact friends I have now. And so, um, I think that's, that's interesting in terms of, it's not enough to just go to somebody's house on on dinner. Like, man, I really like, if you took care of my kids, like making it a legal thing, uh, somehow if if you're serious about it, but then keeping up with it because, and remembering, I mean, that, 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 that would be a, a weird situation to put a hard situation to put yourself in if you actually did die and then you're you said legally i want my kids to go to somebody that maybe you don't even know anymore i don't know how you keep up with that ultimately i'm really like 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 you were saying to the to this couple it's cool that they're thinking ahead you know uh, and and trying to prepare not just thinking i want my kids to go to my grandparents maybe that that's not the best situation um but I want my kids ultimately to worship Jesus and to be a part of a, a family. That, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that comes from, uh, praise God, like that comes from being a part of a missional community and seeing how the family of God functions um, and how often that's uh, a, a much more beautiful picture than just um, your own blood family. Yeah, so. and there's lots of reasons why, you know, it just, it, it needs to be, you need to re, um, readdress it and bring it up, you know, 
probably every you know five to ten years, not just because you could have close family that or a close family in the church that you would want your child to go to, but then maybe they get moved away for jobs mm-hmm, or whatever, mm-hmm. and you want your child raised in the Quad Cities or yeah. you want them raised here, but also because if even if it was going to if the ch- children were going to go to your parents, obviously your parents are getting older, and right. if you get four, five, six kids, you know. Um, your parents might not be able to handle that yeah. like at, at their advanced, whatever age they're at they might not be able to handle that. And so it's something that we should definitely revisit every five to 10 years and yeah. make sure we've got kind of all of our, all of our ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And subject, you know, if you've got five or six kids and then the person that your best friend family yeah. had two kids <laughs> and now all of a sudden they got five or six kids, that might not be a workable strategy yeah. either. So it's definitely something that you should think about and pray about and get, um, well, pastoral insight. That's why you, you reached out to me, but also, uh, legal, you mm-hmm. need to get some legal advice mm-hmm. on that and, and pursue it that way. Mm-hmm. So kind of on, on maybe the other side of that, um, of that question as a church and, and a community and recognizing that, you know, tragedies happen and, and people pass away suddenly, how should we as a church be thinking about caring for the orphan and the widow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's plenty of scriptures on that. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of scriptures on that. And so we, I mean, so if it's a widow, the widow situation, you know, we'd go to the text of scripture and, and uh, it's really clear that if it's a younger widow, then obviously we would provide counsel, care for them. Um, we're going to be just a loving community that surrounds them. We're going to be their their family, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what we are, the family of God. But um, Paul tells younger widows that they should get married again. Yeah. That, that's what they should do. So mm-hmm. They should pursue, um, pursue a man and a godly man, and they should get married again. And then older widows who are maybe you know, past that age, they don't have any desire, then the church is, is supposed to have a responsibility towards them mm-hmm. to care for them and make sure that they're, their needs are met. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be done by another family bringing them in. Mm-hmm. We've got, it's so weird for us to think about this because the state has replaced mm-hmm. the church and the national uh, natural family mm-hmm. in so many situations that we just kind of assume, well, she's probably got life, you know, he probably had life insurance. She's probably got this. She's probably got that. The state's going to take care of it. And maybe that, that is the case in, in some places, but that doesn't take away our responsibility to make sure it's being done and to care for them. Because obviously they need a roof over their head. They need their financial needs met, but they need human connection and community just as much. Right. And so, you know, we have widows in our church and Mm -hmm. their missional communities um, do what they can to, to support them, whether Mm -hmm. it's working around the house and helping fix up the house or moving things in and out, you know, all they want to be brothers and sisters, you know, really like daughters and sons in the faith. If it's an older widow, it's mm-hmm. want to have daughters. So maybe your kids are spread all over the United States. Yeah. Well, we're your son and in Christ, we're your son and daughter. And mm-hmm. so we want to be here to hang out with you, yeah. go for walks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Help you, help you around the house, do whatever we can to do. That's one of the ways that we want to serve. Yeah. And then when it comes to orphans, 
I mean, I think I think we need I think the church needs to be thinking theologically and biblically about this because, man, we do not want kids to enter into the mm-hmm. foster care system or the, or the orphan care system because, one, anything controlled by the state these days is woke and destructive to actually the God-ordained end of a child. Mm-hmm. So I just saw this last week an article, and I can't remember the state off the top of my head, but a father um, had the, his child removed from him because he refused. It was like a 12-year-old, I think, 12-year-old mm-hmm. boy who the boy and the mom decided that you know he identified as a girl, yeah. and the dad said no, and the mom was going to move ahead with puberty blockers and mm. the whole sex re- reassignment, and the, and the dad couldn't do anything to stop it. And the dad effectively lost custody of the child because of that. And so if, if the state is going to be saying, in which they already are in many country, or many states, I'm sorry, that you can't even be a foster care or you can't take in orphans if you're not willing to affirm that child's gender, then what you're saying is bad parents only. Mm-hmm. Like the, effect, the state is in effect by law saying bad parents. Only bad parents can be the parents of orphans and yeah. and uh, uh, foster care kids. Well, that 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 is a system set up for absolute chaos and destruction, yeah. right? And kids need love, and love has an end, which is God Himself. Love has s- very specific acts. You know, it's not love isn't just a feeling. Love is very uh, specific actions towards a child. Right. Love rejoices in the truth, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. And so if you have, if you say you can only be a parent, if you affirm somebody's lie, like a lie against nature and a lie against God, well, then you can't love that child. Yep. Right? Yeah. So we need to be thinking about it mm-hmm. and, and we need to be, you know, looking at the scriptures and, I, and the church, Sacred City Church by and large, and then the church, Universal Church, by and large, we need to be the first to welcome these children in. Yeah. And one thing that love does is love inconveniences itself. Mm-hmm. Inconveniences itself. So love lays down its life for another. Mm-hmm. Love serves, right? And so, yeah, we we might have four or five kids and taking in two more, three more, four more would be really difficult. Now, I'm not saying every parent is commanded by God to do that. Mm. There are yeah. there are situations where it would not be wise yeah. for your family, right, to do that. But we at least need to be open to mm. the idea. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yep. We need to be looking at the scriptures and we need to be willing to to love our church in that way. Yep. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's kind of my my initial thought, initial thoughts. You guys got any other thoughts or questions? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I guess you've talked, you spoke to a couple of them. Um, you know, beyond these godparents being, you know, Christian people who are your friends, who you respect. Are uh, what other criteria in people would you be looking for 
making that decision. Yeah. Is it, is it, I mean, do you want people who are kind of like similar to you in your, in your style and your, in your parenting, you know, in all mm-hmm. of that, uh, or yeah, what yeah. are you looking for? <clears throat> the first thing I would be looking for is they are as committed to Jesus Christ as I am. Mm-hmm. They are as committed to my church as I am. And then I'm going to be looking more um, practical things. So are they good parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now that's a big statement. When I say that, I don't mean do they love their kids. Nearly all parents love their kids. Mm-hmm. Right. It's how does that love get displayed within the context of a home? Mm. Does the wife submit to her husband and give evidence that she's a biblically submissive wife? Does the husband lead well and provide well and protect well? Is the husband discipling the kids? Do they have a commitment to Christian education and all, and all of life? Are they disciple makers? Um, do they have fruit on the vine? So if you mm. look at their children, do you see their children as submissive to their parents? Do you see their children as obedient? Do you see those, those children as respectful? Yeah. And um, are learning Christ and showing some evidence of, you know, the fruit of regeneration, I would say, or the, the fruit of, of disciplined, godly parenting. Because you, you could have a couple in your church that love Jesus. You know, they would say they love Jesus. They come to church. They go to missional community. Mm-hmm. And yet that love is a sloppy type of love. Yeah. It's an emotive type of love mm. that doesn't create a structured, orderly, godly home. Mm-hmm. And though that would be better than your kid growing in an ungodly home, um, it's not ideal. What would be ideal is, you know, a home ordered towards its end, which is human flourishing and human productivity uh, in line with the way God made it and in line with God's revealed will. So, I mean, I would want parents that are, they know the scriptures, right? And you can see it in their marriage and you can see it in their home. And they've got a track record of being, you know, re- re- really good parents. Yeah. That, that's yeah. how, that's how I'd. That's good. That's helpful. Yeah. So on the flip side, um, apparently I'm just asking questions from the flip side today. <laughs> so. Because Tate's not here. That's, yeah. That's right. That's, that's right. exactly right. <laughs> Filling fill that gap, uh, filling that need. But um, are there any reasons that you could see for a family, a set of parents, say they're good parents, they're faithful parents, saying no to taking on the responsibility of God parents? Yeah. Um, is this, hopefully this is before the fact, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're asking sure. them. Yeah, I think there could be, a, I think there could be, you know, some, some good reasons right mm-hmm. there. If they, they're just counting the cost and, I'm just playing with scenarios here, but sure. let's just yeah, say yeah. they're, they're, you know, whatever they've downsized and they're living in an apartment and multiple kids, it, it could not, I could, they couldn't make it work. Mm. Right. And there would, and there would be no way for at this moment, there's no way for them to get a bigger house. Mm-hmm. That's not a necessary, that's not necessarily a, a hard no, mm. but they could look, maybe the husband lost his job. Maybe, you know, mm. there's medical issues. Um, you know, somebody got cancer, somebody got sick that like in their heart, in their spirit, they would say, yes, we want to do this. Mm -hmm. But right now we don't see how this could happen. Right. 
Now, if that was a situation, I'd want to involve the, the I'd want to involve the church, yeah. right? The, like the the church could get involved, and we could figure out a way to get them into a bigger home, or to you know help him with his career, or build him a home. Well, who knows? We who knows what the church could do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think we don't want. So I've met with many people who went to a conference, read a book, listened to a podcast, listened to some sermons on adopting mm-hmm. and specifically adopting from out of the country yeah. or adopting from very difficult circumstances, children that were like literally like China and places that were never touched for the first year of their life and other terrible situations. And it's a good godly thing to, to invite those kids into your home and to desire that. But every single time it comes with unforeseen difficulties. Yeah. And we could say they're unforeseen, even though they're, they're kind of well-documented now, but most people, most of the time, the adoption agency isn't telling you this. Right. Not only does it cost thousands of dollars to do it, tens of thousands, but we often think that we receive children, the, the, I think it's a philosophical term, is a tabula rasa, which means a blank slate. Yeah. Like I've got this little baby and it's just a blank slate. Mm. And now whatever I put into it, you know, I'm going to be writing on that blank slate. Mm-hmm. And so if this child, since they're one years old, is raised in the church and raised in a godly home, that, you know, it's going to go well, right? And it's going to maybe even like my normal children or, or whatever. And that is often not the case, that those, those children come with their own sins mm-hmm something of their parents' sins in them, the sins, and then just the effects of whatever trauma that they've been through as a baby, they carry that in their bodies. Now, this is something I nerded out with last week. I read an article. Dr. Jordan Peterson tweeted it on Twitter. I read it, and I sent it to Dr. Alex. And over the past 40 years, or however long it's been, since we've been doing heart transplants... There are um, thousands of documented um, evidences of once a person receives a heart transplant, very strange things happening. Them having memories from the, the person, the donor's heart, <laughs> tastes changing, preference changing. So hated spaghetti my whole life, got a heart transplant, all of a sudden I love spaghetti. Whoa. And and. You know, they find out spaghetti was the favorite food or whatever of this heart of this heart trip, and and on and on. Not just like surface level, but on and lo- on, mm. like literally personality changes, quirk, different things about them, yeah. abilities changing in a small percentage of people that get these heart transplants. And what Jordan Peterson basically tweeted: We know so little mm-hmm. about the human body. That's, sure. that's, that's his whole point. We know yeah. so little. Like we think we know everything. We know so little. And as I was talking to Dr. Alex, he, Dr. Alex was like, yeah, that's who we are goes all the way down to our cells, yeah. all the way down to our cells. And so, you know, there's they're science backing right now. They're, they're calling, and this is Dr. Alex specialty, not mine, but the, like your gut, your, your, your stomach and your gut is called like a second brain or something like that. Hmm. Because 
there, I, I shouldn't even talk anymore about why this is. I'm probably won't, I probably won't. But you know how for centuries we've said things like go trust, with your gut, yeah. go with your gut, yeah. trust your gut. That there's something in your gut that is connected to who you are as a person and and to your brain that you might not be able to say A plus B equals C. This is why we should do that. You just have a sense. You just have a feeling, right? And this is why there's so much science on right now on gut problems and mm-hmm. and being careful with antibiotics and all these different things that literally change what's going on in our in our guts, mm. right? So I say all that to, to say this child is is a human being made in the image of God, but they have been deeply infected, in, influenced, impacted by both the DNA they have from their parents and also the wounds and the trauma that they've that they've experienced yep. in their own body. And so taking that child into your home is is more than likely going to come with great difficulty. Yeah. Right? Great yeah. difficulty. And so there so every parent that we shouldn't just be like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Drop them off. You know, like yeah. there's a there, weight. There is a weight. There is a responsibility. Hmm. This is it's going to be difficult because it's going to make parenting difficult. You're going to have your kids and you're going to have, you know, even, even though God does something in you that you might love them as much as you love your own children, there's going to still going to be a, a, a you know, a weird, um, separation in the family. Those kids look like me. These kids don't, right. right. These kids are natural. These kids, you know, my natural kids, these kids are adopted and, it could go amazing, amazingly well, but the kids that are adopted, they're they're gonna have pains from their losing their mother and father that are gonna have to be dealt with. Definitely, there's gonna be some more than likely some animosity in the home over birthdays and Christmases and mm. and just not knowing their extended family. It's gonna it's just gonna be difficult, yep. right? It's just gonna be difficult. For sure. So we should definitely count the cost, and there could be there could be good reasons to say. I don't think this would be good for us, for my family at this time, right? And there's also going to be situations where you say it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard, it's going to be challenging, it's not ideal, mm-hmm. but this is what God has called me to do. Yeah. I'm to care for orphans, I'm to care for my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm going to be the best parent that I can be to these non-biological children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the, <clears throat> I mean, I've, I've been at conferences or concerts or things and they're, you know, so a lot of that's just like sponsoring a kid or something, but you even see it in adoption uh, and there's such an emotional like thing, I think that it plays to our emotions. And so, and too, I could just see the conversation happening where you're hanging out with your kids, maybe over dinner and your families are together like, Hey, you know, like you have that God-parent kind of conversation, but it's kind of flippant, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, like just like you're saying, I think it's important to remember, like, let your SBS and your no be, no, this is a, it's a, it's a, like you're saying, it's a heavy responsibility, whether it's adoption or God-parenting or, you know, fostering or whatever the thing is, it's, it's going to mess with your family, it's going to mess with your biological children, those relationships, and that's not all to say that you should say no, but I, I agree, I think it's, you want to be able to give a solid yes and a reasoned no and 
and stick with it because that's I think so that's what Jesus wants us to do. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. And of course, it is a picture of the gospel that mm-hmm. that God adopts us through Christ and so therefore obviously adoption is a picture of the gospel but that doesn't mean that every single christian parent is required by god to adopt yeah. right right in every season of life so yeah hmm. you know i have known parents that you know couldn't have children and they yeah we want to adopt and then they adopt one or two and then boom yeah. the lord opens their womb and then they have three or four <laughs> right yeah it's crazy and that happens so um great question mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful for you guys continuing to send us uh, questions in here. And we are going to have some ladies on the podcast. My wife got sick today, so we are planning to have ladies on the podcast and going to follow up from the women's event. But my wife got sick and is coughing and all kind of stuff, so she had to cancel today. So that be looking forward to that. That's coming um, probably next week. And so if you have any questions for them, you can email me as well at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless. <laughs>